Thank you so much. You may be seated. As Paul greeted the church in Corinth, I greet you, the church in Elkhorn. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, my name is Pastor Dawn, and I am very excited to be here with you. If you've been worshiping with us, you know we're in the midst of a study of the book of 1 Corinthians. It's called Messy Grace. If you're joining us for the first time today, a special welcome to you. Fear not, you can jump right in right at this point. We all know that the world can be messy. Actually, if you're in-house, you can hear the world being messy outside. Mm. And I know my life can be messy. Anybody else? Yeah. So we're looking at those times where life is messy, where we are messy, and asking, where is God in the midst of this? And again and again and again, we're finding that God is right there in the midst of the mess, in the midst of a world that sometimes doesn't work out the way we expect, in the midst of our lives that sometimes are a bit messy. And in the midst of all of that, God's grace and love for us are ever-present and unfailing. Today we're going to jump into Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, where we'll find that just as we have experienced God's amazing grace, God has also entrusted us with a message of grace. So let's dig in. Open your Bibles. You can access it online through the Bible app, or you can use the Bible in the pew back in front of you. If you're joining us online, go ahead, run off and grab a Bible or pull it up on your phone. We'll also have it here on the screen. We're going to focus on the first five verses of chapter 4. 1 Corinthians is a letter written by Paul. He was a first century preacher. And he went to the city of Corinth and preached the gospel to them and, and created a church. It was pretty amazing. And now the Corinthian church, well, they have a, a tension or a debate. Maybe we'll call it what it is. They are having a fight. They are in conflict with Paul, right? Have you ever been in a fight with anybody? Maybe not you, but you've seen other people, right? They've had fights with people, yes, yes. The Corinthian church thinks that Paul is a little bit basic, and they want the new advanced teaching. They want the next thing. They don't just want the advanced teaching. They, they're kind of done with some of the things that Paul brought to them. And that is where we find ourselves this day, in the midst of the text. We see Paul and the church in Corinth in conflict, and Paul trying to communicate to them the reality of the situation. And part of the issue is that they look at what Paul brought and they want the next new thing. And part of the issue is, is that, well, the teachings that the Corinthians are pushing aside, they're not Paul's teachings. 
Paul is just the messenger. So if Paul is just the messenger, if Paul was entrusted with the information, where did this information come from? Ooh, ooh, I know. We'll have a pop quiz. Are you ready? I think you'll do great. You don't have to worry, but are you ready? Here is your question. If Paul is just the messenger, the steward entrusted with the information, sent to perform a task, where did that information come from? So who does Paul work for? I heard it very quietly in the back because pop quizzes are scary. It's okay. God, yes. Paul works for God. That's, that's not what the Corinthians think. Where we find ourselves today is the people of Corinth have decided that they have outgrown this foundational teaching that Paul shared with them. And they're ready for something new. So for the Corinthian church, I think the org chart looks like this. Where the Corinthian church is at the top, and they are in charge of Paul. I think that's, I'm sure God is in there somewhere. But that is how the Corinthian church understands the relationship. So now let's see what Paul has to say about this. Again, we're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. Paul writes, This, then, is how you ought to regard us as servants of Christ. And as those entrusted with the mysteries that God has revealed. Now, it's required that those who've been given a trust must prove faithful. I care very little if I'm judged by you or by any human court. Can you hear a little sarcasm creeping in for Paul? Just a little bit, right? I care nothing for your judgments. I care very little if I'm judged by you or any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. So Paul is going to redraw the relationship. He's going to draw it a little differently. I think this is how Paul would identify the relationship, right? God is at the top, and God is giving information to Paul, a message to Paul. Now, if I were Paul... I might draw the rest of the chart like this. See how I made Paul's box bigger? Uh-huh, see? And then and he's giving information to the little Corinthian church. Uh-huh. But Paul's not trying to overturn a power dynamic. Paul desires to correct the imbalance. Paul's trying to communicate the reality of the situation. So the org chart that Paul is going to communicate actually looks more like this where God is over all things, 
gives information entrusted to Paul and sends Paul to the Corinthian church. Paul's going to try to communicate this reality. Now, maybe you've read ahead a little bit, and you know that even this isn't exactly accurate. By the time Paul gets done with the Corinthians, he's going to try to explain to them that the reality of the relationship is a little closer to this, right? Where God is over all things and Paul and the Corinthian church, it is their job to go and bring the message. But let's not get ahead of the text. That's, that's for later. For now, Paul is trying to communicate the relationship between Paul and the Corinthian church. Paul doesn't work for the Corinthians. Paul works for God. Am I the only one who hears in the back of her head, we're on a message from God? Is that just me? You can go watch that movie later. Paul's clarifying the relationship. He's clarifying his job description, and he's clarifying his area of influence. The Corinthians should regard Paul as a servant of Christ, as one entrusted with the mysteries that God has revealed. But not only Paul, any other foundational teacher, so Paul, Apollos, Cephas, who was also called Peter, Anyone who carries the message, the message of Christ, who came to be a part of his creation in a physical way, who walked among us, who took on our sins, our hurts and pain, our loneliness and lostness, anyone who carries the message of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, and with the Holy Spirit trades our brokenness, our mess, for God's perfection and grace. Anyone who carries that message is called to be a faithful steward. It might not look pretty. It might not be polished or eloquent or very fancy in the eyes of the Corinthians, Yet that's the task. And the messenger is accountable to God alone. Have you ever been in a situation like that where, where you've been given a task, then someone swoops in from the side and attempts to evaluate your work? I mean, not the person who gave you the task, not the person that you are accountable to, but some other person swoops in on the side to evaluate you. Has that ever happened to you? In the way back days, I used to work at a bookstore, which is like Barnes & Noble before e-readers. So in the way back days, my special talent was entering inventory, which kept me tucked in the back, surrounded by giant boxes filled with books, and dozens and dozens of invoices. Oh, it was glorious. It really was. 
This was my job. I was entrusted with those giant boxes, and not a single book was allowed to be placed on the shelf for customers to buy until I was done with it. So I knew, and my boss clearly explained again and again, that the more focused I was, the faster the books got onto the shelves. This was the reality. This was the big picture, that the work I was doing while safely tucked in the back was important to the overall effectiveness of the store. This reality, this big picture, however, did not help my coworkers. They were unimpressed with the big picture view because while they were out dealing with questions and long lines and the cash register, I was safely tucked on my perch with my books and my invoices and my fancy 10 keypad. It really was quite wonderful. But my coworkers did not think so. My coworkers did not see the big picture. They saw me in the back when I could have been helpful to them. They would have gladly welcomed me to answer questions or help make the line shorter by getting behind a cash register. They were regularly frustrated. But I was not accountable to them. My boss was super clear with my task each day, and it didn't matter what anybody else said. This is a little like the situation Paul finds himself in. He's been entrusted with a task to preach the gospel, to communicate the reality of what God has done for all of humanity. And Paul knew he was accountable to God alone for this. And God, for his part, God was not looking for additional input. God was not sending out links via text message where you could fill out a quick online survey to evaluate Paul's performance in this issue. There was none of that. And I, I want to be super clear. God was not looking for input from the Corinthian church, not because God was disinterested. God was very interested. God was not looking for input not because God didn't care what the church thought. God was not looking for input because God already knew. He knew how Paul was doing, and he knew what the church thought. He knew the hearts and minds of each individual in the midst of that situation and what's more, God, God stands in the midst of the church and looks with an eternal perspective. God's not looking for results from a satisfaction survey because God's not looking for worldly success. God's got an eternal perspective on this. God wants to change our hearts to walk with us through life. God's, God's not looking for the likes. He's looking for relationship. And that is a very different thing. 
Paul knew this, and that's what he was trying to communicate, especially in this second half of the text that we're studying today. Remember, Paul says you should treat us as servants of Christ, accountable to God, and as one who must be faithful and trustworthy with the message. Paul says, I'm not worried about the judgments of the world. I'm not worried about my own judgments of me. It is the Lord who will judge me. Paul continues, Therefore judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. Because because the church didn't have God's perspective on all of this. So Paul encouraged them, stop trying to evaluate someone else's work. And then Paul says this, God will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. And at that time, each will receive their praise from God. So Paul gives the Corinthian church a little reminder of the broad scope of God's perspective. Paul is not the only one who is accountable to God. And Apollos and Peter, they are not the only ones who were sent to share the message. There will come a time when all of God's servants will be called to account, when the motives of all hearts will be revealed. Do you hear the warning to the church? Paul encourages the church in Corinth, be mindful. I'm not the only one who will be judged. And Paul also gives us an ever-welcome glimpse into God's heart. He continues, at that time, each will receive their praise from God. So here's the reality, church. I know we're currently looking at an org chart that looks like this, right? God is over all things. He gives the message to Paul. Paul is sent to proclaim it to the church in Corinth. And this is, this is close to what Paul is talking about with the Corinthian church. Yet it's not the only church that fits this pattern. Every pastor throughout all of eternity wakes up on Sunday morning and knows that the org chart actually looks like this. Well, that's sobering, don't you think? With God up at the top and, um, well, this week it's me, Pastor John there, who will uh, have the message. And, and yeah, I will proclaim it to to y'all, right? I tell you, it's a humbling and sober picture. But I'm not the only one. And we get a hint of it at the end of our text for today. God will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. So the org chart actually looks like this. I know that's sobering, isn't it? With God up there at the top and then, well, all of us being given the message. 
and then entrusted with that as we go out into the world. It makes you think, right? What does this mean for how I spend my time, for how I act at work, for how I act online? It's a humbling and sobering picture. The glory of it is this. We don't have to figure this out all on our own. I don't tell you this and then send you off to independent study carols. We hear the message here, and then we are together in it. We're here in community, figuring it out. And just like the Corinthian church, it's probably not going to be easy, and it might not always be pretty. But we've been placed here together entrusted with the message that God has taken someone like me and made my life new. That God has taken someone like you and shown you grace and mercy and love. The glory is this, when God takes his perfect light and looks at what is hidden in our hearts, the mess and the chaos, the questionable motives, the frustration and confusion, the hope and the desire to belong and to be loved, all of those heart things, God knows all of that stuff. And God looks at us, all of us, with un ending grace and perfect love. The reality of the situation that Paul and the church in Corinth wrestle with is the same reality that you and I wrestle with every day. Christ has come. He has taken all that is broken about us and traded it for new life, for God's acceptance, for grace and love. And now, while we figure out what that means for our everyday, we're also given the task to share that reality with others. You and I, we are entrusted with the message of God's grace. How cool is that? And at the same time, how terrifying is that? Fear not, though. We're all in this together. And we'll learn as we go. Keep coming back. Whether you're in person or online, keep coming back. We're going to continue to wrestle with the reality of our everyday world in light of God's unconditional love and grace. And we're going to do it together. God's grace for us is unending. His love for us is perfect. It means we don't have to get it right before God gets us. God chose us first. And while we fumble through what it means to be a believer in the world that we encounter every day, we get to do that as a part of this community, church. And so together, as we 
we rest in God's grace, we're going to join at the table. As we prepare to do that, I invite you to join me in a word of prayer. Gracious God, there's so much. Whether we think of, of all that is in our heart and how that plays out in the midst of, of your perfect love, or we think about the world around us and we wonder how it is that we can be salt and light, how we can be grace and love in the midst of it. Or we wonder, Lord, just how it is that you would take us just as we are, that you would make us new, that you would prepare us and use us in your world. There's just so much. And so, Lord, as we come to the table, I pray that, that your words would sink in, would, would rest deeply in our hearts, and that throughout the week that we would, little by little, be changed to look more and more like you. And as we continue to worship, I pray that you would prepare our hearts to come to the table. Give us your courage. Give us your wisdom. Make us, make us people who can share your love and grace and kindness. But first, show us in this special tender meal that we have received your love and grace and kindness. Amen.